Hello, everybody. Warren Smith here. And on today's Ministry Watch Extra episode, we are doing something that we've never done before, and that is that we are re-airing an episode that um, we had on the podcast about a year ago. It's an interview that I did with Teresa Lynn Sidebotham. She's an attorney. And more to the point for our conversation today, she's the author of a new book called Handling Allegations in a Ministry Responses and Investigations. Now, I say a new book because actually it is about a year old, but that's still relatively new in the publishing world. And we are featuring that book this year. Uh, this month uh, in February uh, as our donor premium for anyone who makes a donation to the Ministry Watch podcast. We'll send a copy of this book, Handling Allegations in the Ministry Responses and Investigations. And one of the reasons that we wanted to do this is because I I just think this book is really good. We've uh, featured this book before as a donor premium, and uh, it was one of our most popular uh, donor premiums, number one. And number two, we got a lot of feedback from people telling us how they had marked this book up, that they had used it in elder and deacon meetings, and that it had just been a really helpful resource to them. So we wanted to make it available to to you again and also to re-air this interview to kind of make you aware of what's in that book and why you should have a copy of it. Now, uh, it's it's not clear to me uh, that we are seeing more incidents of sexual abuse in the church now than in years past, but I think it, it is fair to say that in part because of the work of Ministry Watch and other journalism organizations that more of these stories are seeing the light of day. Now, Teresa Lynn Sidebotham focuses on Uh, misconduct response, ministry policy, and employment law. She's helped Christian ministries, churches, and religious organizations of all kinds uh, over the years deal with these issues, and we think that she can be a tremendous resource for you as well. So I hope you enjoy this interview that I did about a year ago via Zoom with Teresa Lynn Sidebotham. Well, Teresa, welcome to the program. It's great to have you on. And the first question that I have for you about your book, Handling Allegations in a Ministry, Responses and Investigations, is what prompted you to write this book? Why this book? Why now? Well, Warren, as you probably know, we do a good many investigations, and they're just extremely complicated matters. And on top of that, you know, when ministries have an allegation, they're never sure what's the right thing to do, when to do it, how to do it. So we thought, you know, this would be a good time to, you know, gather some of the material we've written over the years, add to it, and try to lay out what do you do if you have an allegation, you know, hoping it would be a helpful resource for ministries. Yeah. Now, you've got stories in this book. Some of the stories are obviously made up names. Um, And in fact, all of them are made up names, I guess you could say. But some of them, as I read them, while they're all very helpful, I read I read a couple of them and I said to myself, I bet that's a true story. And then others, I would say, "Ah, maybe they kind of made that up just to you know make a point here in either in both cases. It was really helpful. But I am wondering how many of these stories came out of your personal experience uh, as an attorney, as someone who's been dealing with these kinds of cases for years? Well, it was a mix. Some of the stories in there are drawn from, you know, actual case law lawsuits that have gotten filed and uh, 
true stories or at least allegations that the stories are true in lawsuits. And then some of them are related to our practice. I wouldn't say that they're directly the story, but we've seen a very similar situation. And, you know, I've tweaked it a little bit so that it it isn't a giveaway for anybody. But yes, we have seen those kinds of stories for sure. And primarily right now in your law firm, Teresa, Telios Law, by the way, do you pronounce it Telios or am I getting that close to right? How do you pronounce it? Well, we say Telios, but we get both of them. So either way is fine. I got you. Okay, Telios. Uh, I will go, go. I will do my best to approximate your pronunciation. What side of the table do you guys generally sit on? Uh, who are y'all representing victims? Or are y'all representing ministries? Or does it just depend on the case and who comes to you? It depends on the role. We have represented victims in the past, but that's not our primary role. We will often advise ministries on how to respond to allegations and help them try to do it well. So that's a fairly common role. And then another common role is acting as an independent investigator. And in that case, it would be the ministry that retains us, but the task that they ask us to do is an independent, impartial investigation and you know, come back to them with findings and some kind of report. Mm-hmm. So when you are engaged by a law firm, I mean, I'm sorry, when you're engaged by a ministry to um, do some sort of an investigation, uh, how do you, since you're being paid by the ministry typically, uh, how do you maintain your independence? Or do you simply say, you know what, we're attorneys, the ministry is our client. We are going to advocate strongly for our client's interest here. Well, so that's not the legal task for an investigation. And I, I think this question of, of financial independence is a great one. So the only investigations that are going to be completely independent financially are some kind of law enforcement. And as you know, people may argue at times that law enforcement could have other biases, like some of the issues lately with the FBI. But if you have a private investigation, someone has to pay for it. Those aren't done pro bono. So I think just the fact that you're being paid by the organization doesn't compromise the impartiality. What would compromise it would be what they're asking of you, what the task is. You know, is it do an investigation to get us out of trouble? Well, we don't do those investigations. So what we talk about in the initial stages of working, you know, even discussing whether we're going to do it is that, you know, how do we keep it independent? How do we keep it impartial? You need to know who's harmed. You know, we encourage and hope the ministry will have an attitude of of reconciliation, making things right with people who've been harmed. They need to have an attitude of disciplining people, holding them accountable if there's perpetrators or if there's criminal issues, you know, being willing to make those child abuse reports. So all of that is understood at the outset. And if the ministry doesn't have that heart to want to hold people accountable, to take care of people who may have been harmed, they're honestly not interested in working with us because, you know, if we see something, we come back and 
and we tell them, we have hard discussions with them. And for the most part, our clients have been great that way. They they really care. You know, they don't pay all that money not to know the truth. They they want to know the truth and they want to do better. So I'm assuming, Teresa, that ideally uh, you would like to be engaged long before there is an actual investigation. Uh, you want to be engaged on the front end to avoid, to prevent uh, the kinds of um, uh, kinds of actions that would require an investigation in the first place. So what are the things that you would say to a ministry leader who uh, is saying to him or herself right now, you know what, the world we live in, this could happen. Uh, we've got employees. Uh, we can't uh, be in, you know, in control of what our employees do 24-7. As an organization, we have a responsibility to God to be good stewards of this ministry, to our donors and other stakeholders to be uh, effective stewards. What would you recommend to them? Should they put policies in place? Should they do a self-assessment? Is that the sort of thing that you can help with? Yes, we do help with that type of thing. Having the right policies in place is critical. Um, having the right training in place, whether that's around sexual harassment or you know, child protection issues, um, we advise on it from Telias Law. We also have an affiliate, Telias Teaches, that does different kinds of trainings, uh, HR and child protection, but from a biblical perspective. So we want to give people the right tools. On the child protection side, uh, ECAP, the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention, is a great new resource that can help ministries get squared away uh, on prevention training for children. And there's a lot of good resources out there, but that is so key. And you know, the exciting thing is, Warren, if they do this, we're seeing really good results. We're seeing organizations where very little abuse is happening. And when it does happen, or even, you know, when there's warning and red flags that people are coming forward, they're resolving issues. And, and this is really exciting because this is how we help ministries get healthier and, and build the kingdom. So, you know, I'm I'm so excited about these approaches. Yeah, well, okay, so that's a good word for the ministry leaders. I want you to say something um, for and to uh, the survivors of of abuse, because they're, uh, I, I think that a lot of times survivors are reluctant to come forward. Victims are, uh, I think survivor is the preferred term these days, are reluctant to uh, come forward. Uh, sometimes when they do come forward, uh, the institutions of evangelicalism don't hear them, don't want to hear them, don't listen to them. Uh, what's your advice and counsel to someone who uh, has been the victim of either a toxic leadership, maybe spiritual abuse, or in fact, physical or sexual abuse within an organization? You know, that is such a hard position for people to be in, and, and my my heart really goes out to them. Part of the reason we want prevention and training is so this doesn't happen. But another reason that we want the training and policies is so the ministries respond well. So when somebody comes forward with something that has happened to them, you know, we want the ministries to have a compassionate response and you know, that's that's really the godly way to do it. If that hasn't happened for you, you know, 
I am so sorry. That is not where we want things to be. And that's part of what I would love to see changed in the church broadly. There, there are also approaches to healing. And, you know, I think it might be, I think survivors might feel that it was overstepping for me to talk about some of those. And so I won't, but there are some survivors who have amazing healing journeys. And so I would say, look at those people because we don't want to see people trapped forever in that place of terrible harm. Yeah. One of the things that uh, you talk about in the book is child sexual abuse and biblical ethics. Uh, You've already alluded several times to the to the fact that you guys at Telios want to do things, uh, you know, that comport with Scripture, that are consistent with Scripture. Can you say more, though, about that idea and um, why it is that we as Christians as and ministry leaders in particular should be especially concerned with, especially vigilant regarding um, uh, this notion or the, or the the possibility of abuse in our midst? So abuse is rampant in the culture generally, which means that it's going to come into the churches and ministries. So I usually say if, if a group has been working with children for any length of time, decades, for instance, likelihood is there has been some abuse at some point in the past, just from a statistical perspective. But when we look at what God's heart is, you know, God's heart for children, God's heart for the vulnerable, how Christians are supposed to treat each other, you know, even with issues like sexual harassment, this is not pleasing to God or or even tolerable to God. So one of our main responsibilities in being the church is to make abuse very difficult to happen and have a good response if it does happen. Because we can't just be going out spreading the gospel if we're not living it within the organization. And so this is about being who God has called us to be. And, And we look at these precious children or we look at other people who are vulnerable and we've got to take care of them. That's the gospel. So uh, an organization that, um, you know, again, up till now hasn't had any issues that they know of, your advice to them would be to get your book, read your book, I'm assuming, and we're going to make that easy. So thank you for that. And thank uh, Telios and you, Teresa, for making it possible for us to offer this book um, to to um, our donors during the month of February. I'm grateful for that. But secondly, put some plans in place. Um, don't just wait for stuff to happen. And um, try to prepare yourself and uh, prepare your organization to be a safe place for people of all kinds, um, whether they have been, you know, uh, victims of abuse in the past, whether there are red flags going on in the organization now, you want to surface those. Uh, Am I getting you right? And is there anything I'm missing? No, that's absolutely true. And and while I would Love it if everyone read the book. That's more of a response. If for child protection in particular, the the ECAP website would be a great starting place just to give you an idea of what you need to get in place. 
And then for, you know, for other issues like sexual harassment or racial reconciliation, our Tellius Teaches material has a lot with that. But we do have to be preemptive and proactive to become the people God's calling us to be. Amen. Well, Teresa, I, I often like to ask a final question of my guests, and that is uh, simply this. Is there anything that I'm not smart enough to ask you that you wanted to say? You know, I am really not thinking of anything, Warren. I, I appreciate the questions you've asked, and, and I do appreciate everything that you've done to challenge ministries to be who God's calling them to be. So, Thank you so much for your work in that area. Well, I appreciate that feedback, and I, I especially appreciate this book. I found it helpful myself, and I'm delighted to offer it as a resource to um, our friends here at Ministry Watch uh, during the month of February. So, Teresa, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, God bless you. I pray the book finds a, a wide audience and has a positive impact on the evangelical ministry space. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, that brings to a close my interview with Teresa Lynn Sidebotham. Her new book, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is called Handling Allegations in a Ministry, Responses and Investigations. We'd like to put a copy of this book in your hands. Just uh, make a gift of any size to Ministry Watch during the month of February, and you can do that by hitting the Donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosell and Jeff McIntosh, and we get database technical and editorial support from Stephen DeBerry, Christina Darnell, Rod Titzer, Kim Roberts, and Casey Suddeth. I'm Warren Smith, your host. It's been great to be with you today. Until next time, may God bless you.